0: All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about one that just hit Amazon Prime. It's called The Vast of Night. I know this played at a few uh, drive-ins around the country. I, I'm not sure if this was ever planned for any kind of major theatrical release, uh, but it actually is one of my favorite things I've seen this year. I'm really excited to talk about it. Joining me uh, for the conversation is B Garner. She She's been on the show a bunch of times in the past, but it's been a while, so I'm really glad to have her back, and I'm uh, excited to talk about this movie. It was a very uh, kind out of out-of-nowhere surprise for me, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. So before we do get into that conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or PodChaser. And, of course, you can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Uh, By the way, we're going to have some really cool contests coming up real soon. So definitely make sure to follow us on all those social media things because that's how you're going to find out about these contests, aren't you? So, as always, thank you so much, everybody out there who's been listening to the show. We've had... We've had so much great feedback lately, and uh, I, I just really appreciate it that you're all out there listening. So um, let's jump into this conversation about the Vasta Night. If you haven't yet, make sure you watch the movie because it's on Amazon Prime and it's great. So go watch the Vasta Night, and let's get into this conversation. All right, so back on the show with us today, we've got B Garner coming back. It's been a while, B. How, how you doing?
1: Yeah, it has been a while. Um, lots have happened since I was last on. <laughs> sure has.
0: <laughs> that is for sure. How, how have you been doing? How have you been passing the time?
1: Well, mostly I've been passing the time by watching loads of movies nice. uh, that I haven't seen before. So loads of classic movies that I've been meaning to watch but never got around to watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so i've seen stuff like stagecoach i watched uh tokyo story the other day just loads of classic movies that uh i've just never found the time to watch and now i have the time yeah so there's no excuse
0: yeah that's uh that's kind of been me too not not uh Not as many of the old, old classics, although a few, but uh, definitely just filling in my day with just tons of movies that uh, I've missed over the years and... It's been uh, it's been an interesting time, let's put it that way. But today we are talking about a great new movie that is coming out on Amazon Prime. By the time this goes up, it will have just come out uh, the other day. It's called The Vast of Night, and uh, I don't know about you, but for me, this kind of came out of nowhere. This is a I, I was really surprised by this one, and I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I caught this last year at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Hmm. And I wasn't really uh, it's it's always odd when you go to film festivals because there's never really that much information about the films that are shown. Um, so I was a bit apprehensive about going in. I was like, oh, I don't know. This sounds like something I've seen before. Mm-hmm. But I really, really found the film so engaging and so well shot and beautifully lit and the cinematography is one of the best I've seen. And I found the story um, really compelling. And Mm -hmm. this, uh, it was just so well done. And I I thought it was one of the best films I saw at the actual festival in a whole.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. This, this feels like the kind of movie that uh, you walk away from a film festival, like just talking about, just talking about to everybody and just Mm -hmm. like, just singing its Mm -hmm. praises the whole time. And then it just kind of like, you know, just like sneaks its way into release. And it's like, just out of nowhere, there it is. But uh, I, I'm glad that, you know, it's it's out there now. And I'm hoping that it, it really connects and people really see it. But uh, why don't we jump into talking about uh, some puzzle pieces? What do you got for your first piece?
1: Okay, so this it, it's a bit of an odd first piece. But so basically, the, the film opens with that wonderful opening tracking shot, where we're sort of, follow the characters around in the school and it goes on for quite a length of time Mm -hmm. and it's just so so well done it made me think of um, other films that have done that um, where they've just followed characters for such a long length of time and let you sort of see the world and it sets tone and the atmosphere for the rest of the movie um so the examples that i've chosen i've gone for goodfellas Mm -hmm. that wonderful tracking shot that we see where they go through the club and you see everybody sort of interacting with everyone else and it's just this flow of energy and action throughout sure i know it's a bit of an odd one uh but no i love it (laughs) it's not really about like in terms of themes or um, genre, they completely different genres. Uh, it's more to do with the technical aspect of, of uh, cinematography. Right. And I've also want to give a special mention to Touch of Evil, um, the Orson awesome Wells film, which is probably not the first one to do it, but is probably one of the most recognisable ones to have done something like this, this long Continuous tracking shot, and also the player, which is um, a great 10-minute opening where you just follow the, the main characters, you pick up on all the conversations, and it really sets the tone and the sort of the rest of the movie it introduces everything that you need to know. And I think the Bass of Night does this as well. It's really well done in setting up um, who's who, how the characters are going to interact with each other. And building on that sort of small town atmosphere that you have, uh, and I think it's such a, a well done. It's really hard to pull off a, a great tracking shot, sure, especially a continuous one. So I really admire the filmmakers for for doing this and and doing it so well, and really setting the scene for the rest of the movie to take place. I mean, it's a, such a it's so hard to to get the right way to bring in the audience to find. Uh, to pull them in yeah. into this into a world that you've created, and I think of uh, some of the greatest openings that you have, whether it's Psycho, whether it is something like Touch of Evil, they all do something with the camera of pulling you into this world uh, in which the film takes place, and The Vassar Knight does that splendidly absolutely Does it so well so i thought i would just start start at the very beginning sure. of the film and,
0: you know i love uh, that whole opening tracking shot it's so cool and, and i love those pieces uh, uh using those as references but um another thing i love about it is how it pulls you in it tells you so much about the characters but so little about what's gonna happen At the same time, which is, it just adds to this mystery of the whole thing. And it's like, it really sets you up. It gives you such a sense of, of this town, of the people. But I, you know, I went into this thing. I hadn't actually seen a trailer. I just uh, ended up watching it just, you know, just like this. And I I had no clue where it was going to go at any given moment during any of that opening tracking shot. And I'm like, where is this taking me? You know, but it, it does it so well that it's like, you're just totally along for the ride, and by the time you know it gets into the next scene, you already know these people and you know this town so well.
1: It's really it's really well done. and like you say, I think um, it's best not watching a trailer or really like, or really listening to anything prior to going into this movie. For so sure. anyone who's listening to this pod, this episode yeah, and hasn't watched a movie, pause um, right now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we
0: will be here when you get back we promise yeah <laughs> we're not going anywhere <laughs> so i will uh i'll jump into my first piece and uh so i i think the one i wanted to start out with is uh basically and i'm also going to use a, a few uh things put together for this one really a, a whole uh a whole style and that is a very kind of tarantino style in the dialogue and the re- the reason why i felt mm. that is because these uh, th- the gist of this movie is basically these long very talky but like constantly riveting conversations that are just they're like peppered with with a Really great amount of tension with, uh, you know, a little bits of humor here and there. Really interesting characters who you really get such an incredible sense of through these conversations. And, uh, and the mystery just plays out so naturally as they're just, you know, having these long, long drawn out conversations that never, ever get boring. And that is something that I, when I think of, you know, the thing that Tarantino does best, I mean, that's really it. When you think of scenes like, uh, you know, the, uh, the basement scene in in *Inglorious Bastards, or you think of, uh... You know any of any of his major uh, conversation-based scenes, uh, you know uh, the Samuel L. Jackson in in uh, Pulp Fiction. You, you think of all these scenes where it's mainly. You're you're watching this this conversation unfold that is just absolutely riveting, and you're just hanging on every word. And it comes down to incredible writing, and this uh, the writers of this movie, their first time out with a feature, uh, was it James Montague and Craig W. Sanger, and as well as first time director Andrew Patterson being able to uh, wrangle that into something that is so uh, you know interesting and so fun to watch, really, is really impressive, I think, in a way that I would basically say the same thing about a Tarantino movie.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point to make. I think there's a fluidity of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, it flows very naturally, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel scripted. And that's kind of with with Tarantino. Obviously, everything is scripted. He's, he's one of those screenwriters that I think he says that he writes... His screenplays are like novels or something. It mm-hmm. goes overboard with everything, but he has an ear for dialogue. Yeah, and he he applies that to his screenwriting and to um uh, you know to his films. And I think that's what we get here. Like it feels very authentic for its time setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't feel cliched in that sense. Yeah, like it just it, you at but at the same time they're not using terminology that is our time our contemporary time so you do feel like it is actually you there's a believability this is a a world that exists in this time setting in this time period and these characters belong to that time setting so it's it's very well done and, and um I think yeah, I think that's a really good comparison to make with Tarantino. Right on.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to point out real quick before we move to the next piece, my my favorite little bit of dialogue in this whole movie was it was towards the end, not to jump around so much in the movie itself, but when it, when they go to visit the old lady and she's speaking in that 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 foreign language and it sounds kind of spooky as as they're walking in and and uh, uh Everett asks, "Can I ask what you were just saying?" That was very alarming. And <laughs> which is like, what a what a great way to put it that 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 is so freaking creepy. <laughs> I just love yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how we would react, I suppose. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> in that same sense. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, uh what do you got for your next piece?
1: So the the film's set in the nineteen fifties. So I'm I was thinking just the sort of creature feature invasion. Um, sci-fi films that came out in the 50s, um, so War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Earth versus Flying saucer, uh Flying Sorcerers. Mm-hmm. So all of those type of films. N- there isn't really one in particular, that I, I guess, um, that really springs to mind. I suppose, cl- I guess, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is maybe close to it mm-hmm. in terms of the small town setting sure, because the other films they take place in more of a, a world wide setting on a bigger scale uh, whereas Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a much smaller location where everything takes place but I like that idea of how Vast and Knight brings it to a smaller scale Sure, that makes it feel more personal to me mm-hmm. because it, it's not it's not taking place in, you know, a major metropolis like New York or, you know, Washington or San Francisco. It, it's just happening in any town, any place. It doesn't have to just be America. It could be anywhere. Yeah. But I, I've just thought of all those films from the 1950s where which picked up on like the paranoia of um, communism, and sure, the Red Scare. Mm-hmm. Um. And then use that to also uh, work in what was becoming quite popular at the time, which was you know, science fiction aliens and UFOs, and really sort of entwining that with stuff that was happening on a much deeper level in terms of what's happening in, in with the Cold War yeah. and everything. So I,
0: I love how I love how sure ever it ever is that it's Russia like <laughs> yeah it's just totally it's always Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great so
1: you, they're up to the, up to no good uh, those <laughs> ruskies <laughs> but yeah i thought uh i thought of those um there's probably uh, probably like listeners of can think of lots of more examples but those were the the main ones that came to mind while watching this film
0: absolutely and yeah i had war of the worlds on my list as well and Uh, by the way did you did you notice what the uh, name of the radio station was
1: uh what was the name of the radio station again sorry
0: w-o-t-w radio
1: oh i love that (laughs) that's (laughs) nice
0: that's awesome right (laughs) that is so clever i like little (laughs) jokes like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. I do too. That's great. Um, all right, so I'll go to my next piece. Then I think, uh, you know, I I was going to go to a different one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around a little bit because you were just talking about how uh, how it's more of a personal story and how that you know really helps to make this this movie stand out rather than being like one of these you know giant alien invasion kind of stories. And speaking to that whole personal level of it. Uh this one might seem a little um just you know out of left field a little bit but I was reminded because now with these central two characters Faye and Everett it's not it's not really a love story even though there's uh, there's you know certainly I think a little bit of an attraction there between the two of them uh, but I was reminded a little bit of the before trilogy, the Richard Linklater uh trilogy with Ethan Hawk and Julie Delphi. Um, mm. just because you're spending this day with these two characters who are just like kind of getting to know each other and having these just real natural uh, you know, conversations and just you're really like getting into their relationship between the two of them. And it's certainly a different kind of movie with different things on its mind, but I just felt that uh that that kind of natural, very real uh, relationship between the two of them, and just the way that they're just kind of going about their day and having that conversation as they go about their day, it reminded me of of the uh, the interactions between the two of them in the Before trilogy.
1: Yeah, there's that um, intimacy between the two. Yeah, and we are also we are also you know privileged in the sense that we we we'll get to experience it with them. Yeah. So we get to know know the characters when they sort of learn about each other, and it's it feels very sort of I don't know I don't want to use the word precious, but it feels very something sacred about it that we we've been given this access to to know about these characters and watch them unfold and talk about their fears and anxieties. It feels very uh very close to them in a the way that you don't really get with up you know, those big films I'm thinking of like Spielberg's War of the Worlds where everything's on an epic scale and it's all Of course, yeah. You know, we're just it's all just rush, rush, rush. Here it's just slowly unfolding and it's it's really sort of quite beautiful to watch in that regard.
0: Absolutely. So uh, what do you got for your next piece?
1: I'm sticking with like the small town sort of setting. I'm going for the fog the mm. horror film from the eighties. I cannot remember for the life of me what I want to say. Nineteen eighty. Oh gosh, I'm going to be completely wrong, aren't I? Uh, nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. On the dot. 80. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I did not realise it was that old. <laughs> uh, I love this film. Um, the John Carpenter sort of film of uh, a small town. You've got the radio announcer um Stevie who is um played by Adrian Barbeau, I believe sounds right um where it's uh, where it's this mysterious fog coming in and i i thought it was quite interesting that you've got the comparisons of the small town setting and also the radio station and this mysterious outside fret coming in to you know Potentially harm people that the main characters love, mm-hmm. uh, and also that in terms of the the mood and atmosphere as well, because the fog starts off. Um, you know, it's got the supernatural, it's got the the special effects, uh, but it's also got a lot of comedy in that film, and I think we get the same sort of comedic tones here as well. Like it, it's you know starts off rather light hearted mm-hmm. and. Like you say, with the dialogue, there's a lot of banter and uh, back and forth, sort of jokiness to the characters. And yeah, the Fox are really underappreciated horror films. For sure. <laughs> I think it's one of, when you think of like all the 80s horror films, I think it's one of those ones that just gets missed off the the list. Um, I
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, especially with John Carpenter, you just think of his other films like Halloween so i've
0: actually been on a bit of a john carpenter kick and that's one that i need to rewatch. i haven't seen it in probably 20 20 plus years at least
1: oh wow yeah definitely i love like his um, work in the 80s it's just it's just all over the place you know yeah. they live you've got like just watched they live last China. week yeah <laughs> it was, oh, wow wow <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i love that uh I love bringing up the uh the fog as a puzzle piece that's great and uh i will i will go on to another piece uh and that is the twilight zone uh which i think the you know the whole thing it even is kind of uh, you know, framed as an episode of a kind of a Twilight Zone kind of thing, the Paradox Theater. Uh, and I do wish that they went into that a little more. I wish that maybe we saw little clips of other shows or something at some point. But uh, it, it is a fun way to set up this kind of a story and, you know, continue it like – on, a, on another level, adding to the atmosphere of this thing, of the kind of movie this is and the kind of movies that it's emulating, uh, I think using that whole Twilight Zone framing device really helps with that.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if they will do like uh, a trilogy or something and maybe have that like each film is a different Ooh, episode or i like that that could be quite exciting
0: yeah this could be like this could be like the new cloverfield after they uh ruined it all with paradox they could, <laughs> they could do a, a whole <laughs> new anthology uh sci-fi movie series that'd be great
1: have you got a favorite twilight episode
0: oh man what i know uh my fiance had me watch recently the, the one with the uh the guy on the wing or something like that oh yeah I can't remember what it's called. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
1: is that the one where he's in the aeroplane and there's like a creature on the wing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or
1: something like that, or am I think I just kind of start thinking about the Simpsons episode <laughs> 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 where Bart's on the school nice. bus. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: my introduction to the Twilight Zone was through the Simpsons. So <laughs> I think
0: it was for a lot of people our ages. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: That's funny. <laughs> but,
1: uh, it's funny that you mentioned Cloverfield because that is one of my puzzle pieces.
0: Nice. Let's do it. I I, I love talking about Cloverfield.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I thought in terms of the invasion, uh, you know, the sort of this side and also following like a, a small group of of people, mm-hmm. um, for what I believe kind of realistically plays out in real time, mm-hmm. although that you know there's it's not real real time but sure. um there's that idea of um everything being told from a first hand perspective although we don't have that here with the vast and the night we still get the sort of events playing out in real time and the characters sort of being cut or, cut off from the world and sort of not knowing how to react and i think that's what we get perfectly in cloverfield and and like you said I mean it's a shame that the other Cloverfield movie. I mean I like the is it the second one? Yeah, um, 10, Cloverfield Ten Cloverfield Lane Field is also Lane.
0: great. Yeah, that's a great movie too. I, I love those yeah. first two so much. It's just the third one that just kinda
1: <laughs> I I just didn't I tried watching it and it just didn't make any sense because it didn't feel like anything like Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. But um the original film and the you know, the sort of spirited sequel do have that sort of wonderful build up of tension and I think that's what happens here Mm -hmm. Um, you get that sort of wonderful snowballing effect where things get bigger and bigger and out of control and you begin to learn more and more and it all sort of becomes something inescapable and then the characters are you know facing in this situation where there's really no escape from what's going to happen to them mm-hmm. yeah i like how we sort of go on this journey with them and we're sort of seeing everything from their perspective so uh yeah i thought um, cloverfield because yeah i think the the first cloverfield is a film that maybe people should go and revisit now especially with everything that's going on or maybe not <laughs> Be too anxiety inducing right.
0: well that that's a, a funny thing i and i hadn't thought of uh, including cleverfield i'm glad you brought it up but i another another parallel i think is telling a kind of sci-fi story that we've seen before but in such a different way um i think is another another parallel with the Vasta night
1: yeah um i like films that do that that take us sort of uh a a premise that we've seen a thousand times before and thinks what's a different way to tell this story and um yeah i'm i'm, I'm so glad that i actually went and watched this film at the festival and didn't get put off by the release really sort of two two line description yeah in, in the <laughs> like in the brochure yeah. uh, which didn't do it justice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll go on to my next piece and I'm actually gonna combine a couple here. Uh, two specific scenes and I have one piece for each of those two scenes and uh, the first one, they're both kind of transitional scenes in the movie. The first one there's a, a moment where we get this first person fly through the town uh, and it. I've brought this up on the show a million times but it reminded mm-hmm. me of the Sam Raimi evil dead uh, camera trick that, that he's so famous for mm-hmm. and where we're flying through the town and uh, it's all first person uh, view you and and I just I love that I think that's so cool. And the other one is again another transitional moment. It's when they're running at the end of the movie, and the, it's like a side shot of them running, and the camera is kind of focused on their legs moving as they're running. And it almost reminded me of like on Scooby Doo when, <laughs> when they're running uh, from place <laughs> okay. to place, and you you just you just see the leg the legs going in the circle. You know. <laughs> you know that kind of thing and it had a, a very cartoony kind of a feel to it and uh and I I just loved that I, I I got a kick out of it when they when they were running in that way and I thought it was it just added so much to that moment to where it's like it's not just them running it's them running in a way that's just like like oh wow they're they're going there they're really just amping this thing up in such a great way
1: it's <laughs> like the strangest <laughs> puzzle piece I think you've ever given, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Hell
0: yeah. I, l- I love uh, it. I love that, actually.
1: <laughs> I, I, I do get the Scooby-Doo sort of vibes from this, you know, like it's yeah. this mystery, this small town, and it's kind of fun in that regard. But, um, yeah, I've, I now I'm just thinking that I wish I'd come up with Scooby-Doo because that's, <laughs> like, the best... Puzzle piece ever. Yes. I love Scooby Doo so much.
0: <laughs> he is the best. I I love him so um, much. I still haven't seen Scoob though. I've heard bad things, unfortunately, but <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm really really worried about watching it. I don't think I'll watch it until it comes down in price because it's so expensive yeah. at the moment. And from what I read from people, I'm like, nah. I'll rather just hold on to my money for the time being. <laughs> but uh... You're never you're never gonna beat like the um two thousand and two live action Scooby Doo, you know? With it's, like it's so true. Freddie Prince Junior uh, yeah. and um Sarah Michelle Geller. It's the best. I mean and it was written by Um, Was it written by James Gunn? I think
0: it was. You know, I could totally see uh, with the success of all the release the Snyder cut stuff. I could see uh, fans coming together and trying to get a sequel to with the original cast from the uh, live action movies of Scooby Doo. I can picture that happening now.
1: Yeah, that's what they need. Like when they're slightly older, you know, they've outgrown the even though they weren't teenagers. But you know what I mean. Like I want that to happen. So if anyone's (laughs) listening, like we want to. Scooby Doo three, because there's a sequel as well, which is Monsters Un- Unleashed. I know so much about these two movies. It's it's a bit.
0: You do. I'm impressed weird. by that. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched them so many.
1: <laughs> like I, I had younger brothers and sisters growing up, and they just watched those movies on repeat. That and Shrek so i know every single line of dialogue (laughs) anyway uh that's embarrassing to admit
0: (laughs) Uh, nothing wrong with that scooby-doo rules (laughs) but what do you got for your next piece
1: yeah um so i'm going with super eight um you might have this on your list i
0: I didn't but now that you mention it like immediately i'm like oh hell yeah yeah
1: Well, I've, I mean, Super 8 is a really great film. Uh, I suppose you could also maybe throw in like Stranger Things into this Mm -hmm. as well. What I love about Super 8 is the way, you know, the small group of people that we have, um, the fact that it's set in like the late 70s or early 80s. um, And you have that sort of small towns and then mystery that, You know, a small group of people have to unravel and discover what's actually happening, and it's just one of those films that sort of, kind of, just throws you into it, Mm -hmm. uh, into the world. And I really love how it pays homage to those films of like the 1980s and 1970s, like ET. Um, and I Mm -hmm. think that's what the vast night is also doing it sort of paying homage to those types of movies and of the 1950s uh, but also doing something that's unique and um bringing it to a modern day audience which i think jj um, abrams did quite well with super eight
0: yeah still his best movie i think
1: um <laughs> oh yeah i mean what what else has he done i mean yeah. star wars rise of Skywalker No. <laughs> no thank
0: you. <laughs> 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 Well, I, I will, uh, I'll continue on with my next piece, which again, you know, just you're talking about that small town feel, uh, the 1960s, all the, uh, this was 1950s, I believe. Right. But, uh, but I was thinking of American graffiti, another movie that just so expertly like captures its specific time frame and like kind of brings you into it and the music and the, the people and the way they talk and dress and all that stuff. And, and, uh, so yeah, I just thought it, it, you, it, does a similar thing like that in transporting you back
1: yeah and i like the, the fact that it's directed by george lucas totally so you've got that star wars space sort of connection there exactly yeah which which was your intention De- right? definitely
0: that was why i was bringing it up 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. I, I, I knew you were going to bring up Rise of Skywalker and I wanted to like, you know, clen- <laughs> cleanse the palette in the room for Star Wars uh, fans out
1: there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so. <laughs> I like, lo- yeah, American Graffiti is a film that I've watched ages ago and I really want to re-watch it now that um, I can appreciate film better because mm-hmm. I watched it when I was like, you know, youngish and just not interested in like movies all that much so sure i know it's like got when you look through like who's in it there's just like everybody is in that movie who went on to have like oh yeah great careers like ron howard harrison ford oh my gosh it's like it's like the showreel of from the 1970s <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah incredible uh, and I haven't seen it in many years either but yeah it is uh it, that cast is crazy um so I only have one more piece what what uh what do you got next
1: so I've got one more film okay and then I wanted to tell you some urban legends okay <laughs> but they relate to UFOs and aliens and scooby-doo so. No uh, Scooby-Doo movie. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you can believe that maybe Scooby-Doo was involved if, if it makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> so what's, what's your last uh, film piece?
1: Um, so this kind of relates to Super 8 and also relates to 1970s films. Um, this is Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind mm-hmm. from 1977, which. Um, I personally prefer over Jaws. Um, I suppose you could also have Jaws in here because that's a small town. Uh, but I like Close Encounters of Fur Kind because um, I just find it a far more compelling story. Mm-hmm. And this idea of like uh, becoming obsessed with something and becoming... I always love that bit where he's building the mounting out of the mashed potato. Uh-huh. Um, and then... I always find that such a lovely little touch. And I, I love like the use of music in the film, and I think the music here is also quite great. Yeah. And then I was thinking of the endings to these two movies are kind of similar in, in that regards of making contact with the aliens. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Close Encounters is one of those films that I think it gets better with age and I you know when I think of Spielberg I mean it's the first film that pops into my mind I know it's very easy to think of like E.T. we can think of like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. uh, Schindler's List um, Jurassic Park but that's always one that I think about and I think it's also his it's like his his films always have very personal moments in them Uh, but I think that like this idea of obsession and fatherhood and Mm -hmm. the relationship between father and son Um, is really explored quite well here and also in Jaws as well but yeah I just really I really like Close Encouncers of the Third Kind and it's personally one of my favorites they
0: just had a a couple years ago they had a theatrical re-release I got to see it in the theater it was it was awesome oh wow
1: yeah I think it was like a 4k
0: reissue or something like that
1: Oh, on like the hugest wide screen as possible. Oh yeah,
0: it was awesome. Nice. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, yeah, I, I love that as a piece, though. I definitely think there's uh a lot, uh, a lot of parallels there, and you know, especially like you said, the ending. It, it totally makes sense. The small town feel. Um, it and you know, just Spielberg in general. It totally makes sense uh, for the kind of feel that The of Night seems to be going for. Um, so. My last piece, I think, will lead really well into uh, some of these uh, folktales you're going to tell us, uh, because it's The X-Files, the TV Ooh.
1: show,
0: <laughs> and, which I know drew, drew a lot of uh, inspiration for a lot of its stories from a lot of uh, you know various little tales and ghost stories that have gone around throughout the ages. Uh, they used a lot of that to work into the writing so i'm sure there's a possibility that something you're gonna bring up here might have even been used for an x-files episode at some
1: (laughs) point yeah i mean i love the x-files like as a 90s kid i was always so scared of watching it as well though i i I could never really watch a full episode without being scared and like holding a cushion to my face (laughs) (laughs) well should we get into these like? Stories I think that's a that, great idea. I feel like I've i topped myself because last time with the lighthouse, I told a story about the uh, the abandoned lighthouse on the Scottish mm-hmm. Isles. Now I've got a couple of different stories which I sort of wanted. All right, with
0: you. I'm I'm ready. I'm
1: ready. So <laughs> I hope hopefully these aren't too scary. Oh, okay. um, um, so there is a radio show called the Art Bell Radio Show. And in 1997, um, he had, you know, like all radio shows do, he had a phone in um, where people can call up and talk about topics. You know how it is. You get certain people who come on and, you know, they can be quite, not, there's some screws loose, sure. you know. Um, anyway, he had, this, <laughs> he had this one-man call. And he seemed very stressed, very anxious. Um, He wanted to tell his story about how he used to work for Area 51. Now, you can actually go and listen to the recording of that radio program. What he is, how he's coming across and what the stuff that he's saying, like he worked for the military for many, many years. He genuinely sounds panicky and scared, gets cut off Towards the end of his call, but he doesn't seem like someone who's just making it up, unless he's rehearsed it very well and he's, you know, a very good actor. Um, it seems very legitimate, and I think that's uh, we get that here with Master of and Knight with the call-ins and this myst- you know, this ice, you know, the characters seeing mysterious lights mm. and the incident with. Uh, UFOs, and it just made me think of that. I remember reading about it on Reddit, and then listening to the actual recording and thinking, "Oh, that does sound. You know, that person really does believe what they're saying." Yeah, and I don't know if you've heard of that at all. I have before. heard of that
0: story. Yeah, that that is a that's such a yeah. big like legendary uh, story in in that kind of um. You know, spooky tales, kind of a thing. You know.
1: Yeah, I find it really fascinating because it's like you just don't expect that when you're on a radio show. Sure. You know, I, I wondered what my reaction would be if someone called me up and I, you know, I was doing a radio show and they were claiming to, you know, work for Area Fifty One. I don't know how I would react. Um, but he genuinely sounds so yeah. scared and panicky and you know, I hope that he's safe and well and if he was having any sort of um, you know, any suffering from any mental illness or delusions, I hope he's got the help that he needs. But yeah, I can can only imagine what it would have been like for the radio presenter to, to have that situation come up. Um so that's one that I thought really ties into um the vast of the night quite well
0: definitely yeah absolutely
1: um and then uh the next one it also happened in 1997 i mean clearly 97 was a crazy year for for like aliens and ufo experiences (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what was happening uh in 97 um anyway uh i wanted to talk about the phoenix lights um which were these big triangular formation of lights that passed over Phoenix, Arizona. And it wasn't just a case of, like, a couple of people saw it. Like, hundreds, if not like a thousand people all saw these lights, you know, acting Mm -hmm. in a very strange way, travelling across um, the sky. And there's footage of it. Uh, And to this day, nobody knows what caused it. Uh, Although there's been... Know, people said it's the military they were dropping flares and you're know, testing it's always one uh, of those things. Experimental <laughs> yeah <laughs> aircraft. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting this idea of something happening and not having it like a solid explanation for it and just, just experiencing something and happening at night and not knowing what's going on. I think it's really interesting that both of those things happened in 97. I just realized that now. I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe there'll be a sequel to Fast and Night um, where they do have something set in 97. <laughs> you could get that 90s retro vibe in there, maybe.
0: Yeah, th- this director certainly will know how to capture it.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um <laughs> But I thought I'd give a little special mention to the, Ros- the Roswell incident as well. Because, you know, that was the one that birthed everything. So uh, Totally. Yeah. Um, although that's pro- probably fake. Or is it? <laughs> or is Who it? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
0: have, I have this feeling, B, that you're going to uh, start a, a Supernatural Stories podcast pretty soon.
1: maybe that would be so much fun I would love to do that I just find it interesting that these stories come up and sometimes like real life is more mysterious than actual anything that can happen in film
0: yeah it's so true Well, I will go ahead and do uh, the finished puzzle, and then we'll get to any closing thoughts on The Vasa Knight. Night. Uh, so we talked about Goodfellas, Touch of Evil, The Player, Tarantino movies, War of the Worlds, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Before Trilogy, The Fog, the Twilight Zone, Cloverfield, Evil Dead, Scooby-Doo, Super 8, American Graffiti, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, The X-Files, and then you told us some great spooky alien stories that, uh, that have been going on in the radio and in, and in uh, the rest of the world, which I think absolutely were inspirations for this movie, no question. I, I think uh, definitely makes sense as, as puzzle pieces here. Uh, so do you have any other closing thoughts about the movie that we didn't really uh, get to?
1: The only thing I would like to know is whether people listening have had crazy alien encounters.
0: Good question. Um,
1: that would be exciting. <laughs> like, <laughs> But no, I, I really like this film. and I'm just glad that it's now coming to Amazon uh, and people are going to have a chance to see it. Um, I think it's so often that um, you have indie films that show at film festivals and they don't get picked up for... Um, distribution um and it's a real shame and luckily that um you know this one has been picked up and I I really hope that people do seek it out and and uh give it a watch because it's such a great movie and um I really can't wait to see what the director does next.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested in that too. It, to come out the gate with something like this uh, is really, really quite an accomplishment. I think And I, I do think this is going to get like a bit of a cult status kind of uh, thing going on, and people are just going to be like telling each other about it. You know, you got to see this movie. You know, and so hopefully, hopefully, it gets yeah, its audience. I hope
1: so. Yeah.
0: And uh, what one other closing thought I wanted to mention you uh, you mentioned just a minute ago uh, for people to to send in their, their own alien stories. <laughs> and uh, I think that is such a great idea. Uh, not that anybody ever writes in, but if you're out there listening and you want to write in with your alien story, B and I will uh, do a special episode reading them and talking about what puzzle, what, oh what puzzle gosh, yeah. pieces their stories have. How about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll <laughs> share my own experience about that oh. as well. If you want to hear my own sort of encounter with the paranormal slash alien ufo let me know and i'll I'll share it because i, I, I want to hear story. that
0: no matter how many people uh write in i want to at least hear yours let's put it that way so <laughs> okay all right it
1: will it will give you nightmares let's just say it's I, I'm, uh, very, very I'm scary
0: ready. i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think we covered the best tonight uh b is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Oh my gosh, so yeah, I've been, like I say, I've been watching a lot of movies at the moment, so let me just mm-hmm. have a, oh, okay, because it's been one of those, I mean, this month alone, I've watched a movie, like, pretty much every single day, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really wanted to um, to mention how much I like Blowout, um, the 1981 Um, film from Brian De Palma um, starring John Travolta Um, it's all about a conspiracy with a a politician uh, being assassinated and um, John Travolta's a sound man and he records something and has to piece it all together Mm. um, which I found really interesting very in like engaging moving it's brilliant to l- listen to to watch with headphones on because you hear every little sound and makes a perfect experience if you're looking for something to watch and um, it, I'll give another shout out to a quick film that I watched which was another indie film called Murder Death Career Town which was um this found footage movie about uh, a man's investigation into uh, a crime that takes place in his neighborhood and it becomes more about his sort of obsession with trying to solve this this murder but this might not be a murder and there's all these strange people involved in it and it's a great movie that you can rent on amazon now so um I really thought that was a movie that, like Fast of Night, uh, I was not expecting much, but when I watched it, I was blown away by it. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a film that um, I would like to give a special shout-out to because it was just really good
0: sounds yeah it sounds really interesting i hadn't heard of it um i will have to check that out and uh that blowout sounds great too um i i haven't seen it but uh, i i love the idea of it It sounds great
1: oh yeah it's really good i mean it it, and john travolta um acting really acting and not just being awful um it's always (laughs) (laughs) so you know you forget that he used to be a very good actor and now does Weird films like Battlefield Earth. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody posted on Twitter the other day uh about like what's the last John Travolta movie you saw in the theater, and it's like it kind of blew my mind. Like it's been like twenty something years since he's had like a like a a good movie that opened in wide release and like everybody saw it.
1: I know that's really tragic, isn't it? Uh, maybe it's how crazy? I mean, he's had a comeback before. So maybe I have a comeback yeah. now. I, I don't know though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so.
0: Well, uh, B, why don't you tell people where they can find uh, you and your work online?
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, so I run. Uh, the website in their own league, um, which is primarily focused on female filmmakers and women in film. So you can always check out um, not just my work, but the work of all our team who do an amazing job um, over at www.intheirownleague.com. Um You can also find me over at on Twitter at the film B. That's just B, the letter B. Um, and I write for various sites. I'm currently doing a um, B goes West series for in session film, which is where I explore westerns um, because I've never really watched many westerns before. So I thought I will step outside my comfort zone and try those films out. And it's actually been quite good. I've enjoyed quite a lot of them that I've seen so far. So uh, yeah, that'd be exciting. <laughs> to follow me on that journey
0: <laughs> awesome yeah the westerns are are uh, a tricky thing they're like a, a genre that i'm i'm never like jumping to go see mm. you know like when when one pops up but whenever i watch one i tend to like them so yeah I, I probably should watch more i'm
1: the same i like we don't really have it's not really a big thing over here we never really had the i mean the wild west didn't happen so i've never mm. really been that interested in it um, but I thought it would, uh, give them a go and I've watched some really good films so far. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll turn into a Western fan by the end of this.
0: <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, uh, B, thank you so much for, for being here and for doing this again. Uh, I'm glad to finally have you back on the show and I look forward to doing it again sometime.
1: Me too. I look forward to us having our spooky story session. <laughs>
0: that I I want to do it. We got to do it. Yeah. People write in with your story so we have something to talk about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Testing
0: my name is Toby. I'm one of the hosts of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We do a satire show all about conspiracies, UFOs, the paranormal, cryptozoology, true crime, and much more. Our show is transmitted to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and many other podcast apps. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Secret Transpod. We hope you come listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the Vasta Night. If you haven't yet, make sure to go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime, and uh, I included that that promo for Secret Transmission podcast because it is a good fit for the theme of the Vasta Night. Uh, but I am hoping to get some new promos from other podcasters. So if you're a podcaster yourself and you're listening to this, get in touch with me. I would be happy to play a promo for your show. I always swap them out every episode, play a, uh, an ad that, you know, not always has anything to do with the the content of this particular episode. Sometimes I'm just squeezing in whatever uh, whatever podcast promo I've got in the folder there ready to insert into the episode. But I like promoting other podcasters. So, uh You know, get in touch. Send me your ads. I am happy to play them on the show. And uh, also, uh, please do get in touch just as listeners if you've got an alien story to send for me and B to break down and put some puzzle pieces to. I think that would be a really fun uh, special episode if we get enough submissions. I am super down to do it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So get in touch with us. You can email me directly by davidrosen at gmail.com or just get in touch on social media at piecingpod. And uh, we've also got the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group where you can get in touch with me on there as well. So definitely get in touch. Check out our website, piecingpod.com. I've been starting to do a little bit of a redesign with it, but there's going to be a lot more uh, redesigning in the future coming up real soon. I want to start adding some more features to the website. And as we start doing some contests and stuff like that, a lot of that's going to happen on the website too. So check out piecingpod.com. And uh, thank you to Beef for joining me for this episode and thank you to you for listening. If you enjoy what we're doing, you can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and you can also sign up for our Patreon, where we post advanced early access to some of our episodes before they go up on the main feed, and we're planning on recording lots of bonus content in the coming months, and you can get some special exclusive music that I'm going to be posting on there really soon. You guys know I always close out the episodes with some music, and I'm going to do that in a second, but I figured this is a good time as any to tell you that i am so 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 productive right now with the amount of music i've been working on i am going to have a lot of stuff to release soon and definitely some of that is going to end up on the patreon first as a special bonus thing but coming up uh this weekend it is on june 6th is the cyber shorts VR Film Festival, and I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that. They are going to be, as part of their festival, premiering my next music video for a track called Multiply. It's not a virtual reality video, although I have had virtual reality videos. Those of you who have followed my music career know that. Uh, but it's a virtual reality film festival playing the videos in virtual reality and we'll be doing a Q&A in virtual reality. And so I will be a part of that. That's coming up on Saturday, June 6th. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can uh, go check that out. But I believe it's free to join. You just have to you know, have a headset and click the link and download the app and do all that stuff. You should check it out It's going to be the only chance to check out Multiply Until I actually release it I'm not going to release it until my next album is ready to release Uh, So if you want to see this thing It's a really cool video It's directed by this guy Tobias Steiner Who made my Butterfly video a few years ago Um, This video is super cool And I'm really excited to release it But it's not going to come out for a while still So this is going to be your only chance to check it out So uh, make make sure to check out this Cyber Shorts Film Festival, and uh, like I said, link will be in the show notes. So I am going to close this thing out with a piece of music, and maybe I'll play Multiply one of these days, but for now, though... I Gotta Play, Lights in the Sky. This is one of my most popular tracks, and it fits so perfectly with the Vast of Night theme. So I think it's a perfect track to close this thing out on. So this is Lights in the Sky, which also has a really cool music video. It was my first video that I ever put out. I actually made it myself using public domain footage. And uh, so you can check that out on my YouTube channel. And the song itself is on my first album, Echoes in the Dark. So this is Lights in the Sky thank you as always for listening and we'll be back with more piecing it together coming up real soon.